Welcome to Frankly Speaking. This is a new podcast on responsible business by Frank Bold, the European Public Interest Law Firm. And I'm Richard Howitt. And after several years of debating these issues inside the European Parliament, I'm hosting our discussions of the latest political, legal and business developments in the field of corporate sustainability, business and human rights. In Frankly Speaking, we deal with the full range of sustainability issues, but we also home in specifically on how companies practice due diligence on business and human rights. And today we welcome a real practitioner, Julian Leverini, responsible supply manager at the German-based uh, company Lorenz Snack World. Lorenz is a fourth generation family business with 3000 employees exporting crisps, crackers and nuts to 80 countries worldwide, one of the leading snack manufacturers in Europe. Their global supply chain includes India, Mozambique and South Africa, and Laurent seats long-term relationships with their 300 plus potato farmers, some of whom have supplied the company for more than 50 years. Julian Laverini himself comes from a financial background, a trained accountant. He was once Laurent's financial controller before coming on to be responsible for the company's own supply chain responsibility. Laurent says its purpose is joy of life. Julien, welcome to Frankly Speaking, and I'm sure you're going to bring some joy to this podcast. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. Now, you, as I said, you're a finance guy, uh, and you've managed the, the company's finances. Uh, you continue to have, have a role there. Uh, and uh, uh, you come from perhaps let's say traditional finance into sustainability into business and human rights can, can you tell me a bit about your personal journey first about how that came about yeah so i started uh, i study economics and I, or during my study i was always always interested about sustainability so it was already uh, let's say 20 years ago which was not such a big topic so i did my first assessment in sustainability for music festival how could we better recycle uh, waste during music festivals so that was my first assignment and then it was easier at this time to find jobs in finance and then i had the chance to start at lawrence uh, working close to the purchase uh, entity really so doing the controlling there and there you already had a strong link with the purchase activity in the supply chain so and then as it developed and it was coming more and more uh, the focus sustainability and uh, I was I had a strong interest so uh, I was offered the chance to to take my let's say my hobby or my passion about sustainability in general and to bring my knowledge within the company and to to work closer to the supply chain and to bring this topic forward in the supply chain so that's a bit the the story your story does make me reflect on how important it is to get sustainability business and human rights into business schools and into management training it's great that that yours did uh, many more do today, but it's still sometimes a, a separate module uh, uh, at the end or a, a niche. So uh, great if if, uh, uh, if others listening can, can hear that example and how it's actually been influ influential on your entire career. Now let, let, let's move on to Lorenz. Um, for, the, for the frankly speaking listeners, can you um, just give us a bit more detail about the size, the scale, the nature of your global supply chain? 
So basically, we are a medium-sized company active in Germany, Poland, and uh, we have a big export also to 80 countries. And if we are looking at the supply chain, so the main raw commodity are coming from uh, Europe, if we talk about potatoes, wheat, oil. And then uh, we have another supply chain, which is more related to, uh, let's say, exotic countries, where, where we talk about nuts, so where we have more uh, potential risk if we talk about Africa for peanuts uh, or India and uh, or Argentina. This is, let's say, the, the big area where we source peanuts. And then uh, we have some European uh, needs for peanut for nuts, like if we talk about hazelnuts in Turkey or almonds from Spain. And what you say about risks, uh, people involved in business and human rights are very used to the risk-based approach. But for, for our general listenership, uh, what are the sort of risks that you're looking for and how do you prioritize them? So basically the risk, uh, there's different approach. So uh, if we talk about child labor or corruption, I mean, you can make up your mind quite easily. You, you believe from your experience that you have higher risk in Africa or in India than in Europe. So that's, let's say, without doing a proper due diligence. But what we did at Lawrence, we started with uh, to, to implement, uh, let's say, risk management, focusing on social and environmental risks in a simple way. So listing all our suppliers, trying to use some, uh, how do you say, data, data uh, base, such as the World Bank, to evaluate what is the risk in social and environmental for each country. And then it be, by doing this exercise, it becomes clear that the, the risk for us were lying more in India or in South Africa than in, farm, in, the, in the farms in, Af in Europe for potatoes. Or, so that was, let's say, the, you have your own perspective from your understanding, your experience. And then the idea was really to bring it to a system with accurate uh, database, we're measuring this uh, this risk, and and then it's at, at the end we saw that it matches. But at least it's good to do the exercise and to know how you build your system, you know. And the obvious next question is: you've identified risk countries or higher risk countries from your point of view, but presumably you have several suppliers and potential suppliers within those countries. Again, how do you then? Uh, zoom in and work out which where the risks are and how you can manage them. So that's the stage where we are basically. So we had identified the, the country risk and now it's to go deeper with the suppliers and uh, to find out. So what we are doing now at the moment is to get all our suppliers to register to the SEDEX platform to get really a validation uh, from an external party also of what they are doing in their processes. And we believe and we hope by the end of the year, we have we can have an evaluation using the SEDEX platform to go one step further and to identify what are the risks for each of the suppliers and then to take adequate measures in uh, discussion with the suppliers. So for us, we, are, we see it more like uh, we have to push this topic further, but we also need to continue the relationship with suppliers, you know, to develop them, to bring them to a next stage. So for us, it's a discussion and ongoing uh, process, you know, it's a continuous improvement process. And you mentioned SEDEX, and I know that Lorenz has also used, and you've used uh, Social Accountability International, you've used Amformary BSI, and a lot of our listeners will be interested in different tools that you've found helpful and you could use and 
feel if only we can get the right tool off the shelf, we'll be able to do all this stuff. Um, I have to say, frankly speaking, doesn't advocate any one particular tool, but I think it's useful to to use the fact that you've chosen SEDEX as as an example, um, uh, for frankly speaking. Just tell us a bit more about why you chose SEDEX and what it does for you. So there is basically what we identified as two big players in this area. So there's SEDEX and there's Ecovadis. And uh, what we did, we did basically an assessment of our suppliers to know where in which platform our suppliers are already in the majority so that it's easier than to get the, the remaining one onboarding. And uh, the idea of SEDEX is basically it starts with a self-questionnaire with uh, each company or suppliers had have to answer a range of questions about their environmental system, their social uh, system, a lot of questions about social and environmental topics. And based on these uh, answers, then there is a rating and uh, it, and it takes in consideration the rating of the company itself. It takes in consideration the country where the company is located. And based of, based of this, then we get a result if this company is high, medium, or low risk. And, uh, and that's first the really evaluation. It will go deeper than the first evaluation that we did on our own using an Excel sheet. So it's a bit more professional. It is professional way. and used on database and with this we believe that we can really start the, the, the discussion with our suppliers on another level but it's a desk based it's based uh, they don't actually visit the suppliers no this is no. the the cloud base so that's the first level of the sedex platform and uh, what we do uh, at loens you have the smith audits then it's really an audit focusing on the social and environmental aspect within uh, the, the factories, let's say, primarily. You can do it also for headquarters. And uh, so this is what we are engaged also at Lawrence, where we are in the plan. We're close to have all our sites uh, Smith audit in Europe. And then now we are focusing for the next years to get our plant also uh, Smith audited in India and South Africa. And, and I know that you've you did have one interesting experience and in learning from a, an audit outside of Europe. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, we have uh, we are sourcing uh, cashew, and uh, was decided uh, four or five years ago that we want to source originally all our cashew from Africa because uh, the cashew supply chain, uh, as we may know, is quite uh, long. So normally all the cashews are coming from Africa. Most of them are exported to Vietnam and India for cracking and re-export to Europe. And what we wanted to do is to create value in Africa. So we started to develop a project uh, in Africa with the suppliers and uh, also uh, uh, another Norwegian company which was active there. and. Uh, Part of the, the process was also to go there and to evaluate what, what's happening in the factory. What, what do we see? What could we improve? So we, we did our first uh, social audit. We saw that uh, there was a lot of women working in the factory and there was also bringing their kids and sometimes the kids were just hanging before the factory and so on. So we said, okay, there we have, we discussed with the supplier, we said, we have to do something. And then came to the, the process that uh, we will sponsor with this Norwegian company, Brunild, uh, the, the opening of a kindergarten for the two first, uh, two, three years. And uh, so and, uh, recently, two or three months ago, I was there in Mozambique uh, for the opening of this kindergarten. So the, the employees, uh, the women can bring their kids uh, from the before they go to school. 
And so now we are happy that uh, we could at least support uh, this part of the of the supply chain. So it's a limited area. We are talking about one supplier in Mozambique, but I mean, if everybody can do something like this within the supply chain, I can. I think it can support the the, the rest of the of the developing countries where they where they are missing infrastructure in this uh, in this in this area. It's a wonderful story that. Uh, because in business and human rights, so much of it, I think, seems complicated and theoretical and sometimes a bit frightening to people. And so that story about locating a, a one factory and ensuring that the children who were running uh, outside and perhaps less than safe were in a kindergarten and actually getting it done, that's a very practical, concrete example of actually doing something. So congratulations, congratulations for all of that. Uh, and I know in Mozambique, you talked there about working with a Norwegian company and you do choose, Lorenz chooses to work with other companies. And in Mozambique also, you worked with the, the German development agency, if I've uh, um, understood that correctly, on something called the Cashew Development Fund, which is a, sort of one step on again. Tell us a bit more about that. So the, the Cashew Development Fund is basically a, a sector approach to support the cashew in Mozambique. And this was started by this Norwegian company Brunild, uh, which was engaged there with Norgesvel, which is the development agency from Norway. And they approached us uh, if we were interested to support there because they were also looking for partners that we bring more forces to industrial players also to source from Mozambique. And so now with Jain, we approached the, the GZ. So now we have a full uh, approach. We have the Norwegian, we have the German development, and the idea is to support uh, the sector. So it goes through uh, farmers training uh, classes that they get a better uh, agricultural practice. It goes also uh, to give them a feeling about uh, business in general, how they should conduct their business. We are trying to create nurseries so there is nurseries where we want to create trees and to generate because we have an issue in uh, in Africa also in Mozambique that a lot of trees are either burned to do coal for the the people to eat or there was also some big damage they had the typhoon also uh, not long ago and the idea is to, to to create nurseries where people would buy their trees and they could take care of it and by growing them they, they will have an increase also in their income because they will have more to sell to the cashew industry and uh, so this is what we do and we have a long-term partnership also with our suppliers so where we come where we commit to certain values and the way we want to work together to have more long-term perspective because we believe it's only through long-term perspective and uh, strong relationship from supplier buyer that will be able to develop uh, in, a, in a sustainable and responsible way so one way is to be responsible but on the other side for us what is really important is also quality and reliability of our suppliers so by by having this sector approach we believe that we can strengthen the whole supply chain making sure we have enough goods to produce in Mozambique, produce in a, in a sustainable and quality food safety uh, processing area in Mozambique with our support. So we also have exchange quality people from, from our side go there to audit. We get also people to, or we plan to get people to come to, to Germany to see also different things. So it's really an exchange to, to work together to try to, to be better. It, again, 
uh, I had the privilege of being involved throughout the development of the guiding principles on business and human rights. Uh, and in, in those years and in the years that immediately followed, companies, I think, tended to interpret those as being let's get rid of the negatives out of our supply chain. And that's important. It's important to identify adverse impacts and, and to minimise or remove, remove them. But your example there in Mozambique is about improving, improving the lives, improving the prospects for the farmers and for the companies and doing it sector wide. It's, it's in your business interest, as you say. Uh, you, you're getting better product and uh, um, greater reliability but clearly it's in the interests of farmers and people on probably fairly poor livelihoods in Mozambique and it's really making a difference for them and and doing it together so again I think there's a really interesting lesson in that but I think our listeners will think some of the stuff you're doing on your own as Lorenz but some of the stuff like in that example you're doing with other companies when do you choose to do stuff yourself? When do you choose to, to collaborate and, and how do you decide that? In general, what we are aiming now is really for have pre-competitive uh, approach, you know, on the different challenge if we're talking about human rights or environment. So, uh, for example, we are part of the Sustainable Nut Initiative, which is also focusing how can we improve the supply chain in nuts. And there we are also an actor and giving also our example of what can be done in the supply chain. So we are buying not a huge amount of cashew. So that's also why it's a bit easier for us to do something different. Uh, then we also, uh, with the, the Sustainable Agriculture Initiative, which is also trying to bring some standards also with farmers, taking in consideration social and environmental aspect. So we are, it's easier if you do it with a group of companies and you go to the suppliers or your farmers with something which is known. If you go on your own, first, we don't have the resources to develop uh, all the system. And also it gives us some credibility if we use something which is uh, promoted. And when it comes to do it on our own, for example, if we talk about the supply chain in, in, in India, then here from our perspective, it's more from coming from a quality perspective, but we saw that there was risk of, uh, we had a lot of rejection in Europe. And so, and what we decided is to install our own laboratory in India to make the analysis in the origin and to get closer to the control and then to, to go deeper and deeper in the supply chain. So, uh, and now the, the challenge is to go deeper in the supply chain with the farmers in India. And this we do it uh, partly on our own, but also looking for uh, for partners. The same we do with the gate set, but sometimes it's such a big challenge that you cannot do it on your own. So you, you really need to ask people, do we have the same challenges? Are you willing to, are we willing to collaborate and do it together? Because we know we cannot do it all on our own. Some we can, but some we need to work as a group of people to to make a change. And a few years ago, again, companies would have been very worried about giving details of their suppliers to what they saw as their competitors and thought that would impair their competition. But you use the word pre-competitive and that, in fact, it's better for the business to collaborate in those instances. Uh, again, an important lesson. Um, in Germany, uh, both of us have used the, the words due diligence, important concept in identifying and managing risks in, in your supply chain. And in Germany, of course, there's a law on due diligence that's been passed. What, what does Lorenz think about that? And also for, for listeners that know that there's a due diligence law 
um, in the queue in the European Union that will come in uh, a few months or years. Um, what lessons are there from Germany about how due diligence, mandatory due diligence actually impacts on the company? We see a requirement both from uh, consumers and also the, the legislation pushing for more sustainability and responsibility for companies. And uh, we take it uh, as granted that we have to bring our share to this and we have to engage in this path. So here, Lawrence, we are a family business. So we are also maybe different than other companies that are on the stock exchange because the, the, the family has a long-term perspective, so they, they want to bring the company to the next generation. And uh, we, we, they take it as a responsibility to, to bring it to the next generation. And by doing this, they want to have a responsible company. So I think they are committed to, to do it differently and to be more engaged in, the, in this direction. And do you think that's important, senior management and board involvement? Yeah, I think it's a must because at the end uh, it's always uh, uh, resources either people or finance resources that you bring to a certain area to push it you know uh, either you decide to go for i don't know investments in one area of promotion marketing or you go for sustainability so i think it needs the commitment of the top management to bring the resources internally to push this topic forward and to understand what's behind and to be able also to communicate about it. But you need to first to commit, understand, and then to communicate, in my opinion. Thank you. And that's certainly going to be part of the debate in Brussels over the, the new directive. Sadly, time is running away from us. But I wanted to, to ask before we finish, uh, in the debates and in the in all the literature there is around business and human rights, often it's the very big multinational companies that are talked about and that are analysed. But the interesting thing about having Lorenzo, frankly speaking, is that you're uh, a classic medium-sized company. You're the famous Mittelstand from from Germany, and I think there will be many uh, of our listeners who will be from smaller and medium-sized companies who will say. Is this just for the multinationals or can we really do this? What, what is your message to them about the opportunity and the capacity that you as a medium-sized company have to uh, have to be able to do supply chain management and to have a responsible supply chain? Yeah. What I can say is uh, basically I take it uh, from different levels. For me, uh, as a human person, either you engage in this direction, you do what you can at your level. So you think twice before you buy something or you buy it from your local uh, farmer. And for me, it's the same that apply along the, the whole uh, economy. So if you are a medium size or small company, do what you can at your level, you know, try to, to make uh, your assessment at, at your level and bigger the company is, bigger its impact is, and then uh, stronger its implication should be. So for me, it's really not something from a size matters. It's really from, from the mentality and to, to, to assess the risk and to question yourself as a person. And bigger, if you take it from a company, to ask yourself, okay, what are my impact environmentally and socially? And what can I do to reduce this and minimize this? Well, thank you, Julian. And I think you've had a very important message today that uh, due diligence isn't about patrolling any and every aspect and every risk in the supply chain. It's about doing what you can and doing it at the right level that you have the capacity to do. And certainly you're doing that. And 
good luck with all of your your continuing work. We've come to the end of our podcast, and I would like to invite all of our audience to send us your feedback to frankly speaking at frankbold.org and to share our conversation. You've been listening to Frankly Speaking, the Frank Bold podcast on responsible business. Watch out for our next episode and find out more about Frank Bold's responsible company section on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again to Julianne. See you next time and goodbye. Mm-hmm.